Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. presence to come into this place and just to contemplate and consider Jesus, to consider what has been done for us, to demonstrate your love, to lavish out the gift of your grace to us through Jesus. Father, we just pause today in the busyness of our lives, the busyness of our week, and focus on Jesus, on his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And so, Father, we celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done. We thank you for demonstrating your love to us. And we pray this today in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. My thanks to Josie and Kate and the team for leading us this morning, bringing us into and uh, before the throne of God in our time of worship. Uh, it's so good to, to worship together in the room. Uh, welcome those of you watching online. We hope you're participating as well uh, as you... Um, as you were watching, it's your house. I want to mention a couple things to you before we uh, dig in too deep this morning. Uh, uh, tonight, uh, we have a, a great event planned. Uh, you probably saw in the parking lot as you came in. Um, our Flannel by the Fire event begins tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, this is something for every single one of us. Where there's a bit of, been a bit of confusion that this is just a kid's event. No, 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 no. We want you to be here too. If, even if you're not a kid, we want you to be here tonight. There are all kinds of, there'll be food, there'll be activities, there'll be just time for us to be together uh, as we celebrate fall and we continue to celebrate the 25th anniversary of this church and so we uh, hope that you'll be here tonight for flannel by the fire uh, we do still need a little bit of help um, if you can sign up on the uh, one of the sheets to man one of these booths for a little while for us uh, to help pull this great event off tonight as you leave uh, that table by the office uh, has that sign up list we'd love to have your assistance uh, many hands make light work as we like to say so uh, we hope you'll see there and don't forget as a part of this just I'm gonna go ahead and talk my smack now that chili cook-off still coming tonight uh, there's still a chili cook-off tonight, so I'm inviting you, I'm, well, I'm challenging you to bring your A-game against my chili, because it'll be here, and I'm ready to take that to, that to championship ring home with me tonight, um, but see if you can't, uh, see if you can't jerk it out of my hand, so to speak, and you bring your chili tonight, and we'll see how we do together. Uh, Robert, I'm ringing up here, I don't know if it's the monitor or something, I'm getting some feedback up here in my ear. Thank you, sir. Ah, that's better. Yep. So I uh, hope you'll be here tonight for the chili cook-off. Also want to mention to you a couple things, and these are pretty important, too, we need to make sure you're aware of. Uh, beginning on November 13th, uh, or excuse me, on November 13th, we will be uh, kind of wrapping up this year-long celebration of the 25th anniversary of this church, and we are looking forward to celebrating with you on that day uh, during our service that morning. We are going to have one service that day. That service will happen at 10 o'clock, but we invite you to be here uh, anytime after 9. We'll be, have some doco and some coffee and just a time to get to connect with some folks uh, maybe we don't get to see very often spend some time with each other we will celebrate uh, that morning during our service that service will begin at 10 and uh, we will celebrate in this room together uh, round tables kind of like we did back in the spring uh, we'll tell some more of the story of faith christian church we will uh, look forward to what's coming in the future 
of Faith Christian Church. You will not want to miss that day. Again, that's November the 13th, and we can't wait to share that with you as we kind of wrap up this celebration um, of, of the 25th anniversary and look towards the next 25 years of, of the future of Faith Christian Church on, sa- on Sunday, November the 13th. Again, that's at 10 a.m. is when that service will be. Now, I need you to keep that number in mind, that 10 a.m. number in mind, because beginning on November 13th and moving forward from there, we are going to move our service times to 10 a.m. Our regular Sunday morning gathering time is going to begin to be Sundays at 10 a.m. We're going to go to one service for a season. Uh, We did this this summer, and we had such great response from so many of you, um, and we've heard from you. We've been listening to you the last uh, several weeks. Some of you have said, we need to go back to one service. We need to be together. We've been talking um, on Sunday mornings here about how the church is a gathering. It's not a building. We're not just a service, but we are a gathering of Jesus' people, a movement of Jesus' people, and we have been asked a question as leaders, been asked a question, why are we not together? We need to be together. We need to be together, and so we, uh, the leadership has met. We've had some long conversations. We've listened to uh, a lot of you with your feedback, and, uh, and we've heard from you, and so beginning on that Sunday, November the 13th, uh, we're going to be meeting in one service at 10 o'clock uh, for the next uh, foreseeable little bit of the future, and so we're excited about that. We think it's going to be wonderful to be together and to get some energy and stuff in this room uh, during both of those services. We can't wait to see what happens with that. Now, just so you know, uh, we will still be live streaming the services. Uh, that ten, Our service, I should say, the 10 o'clock service will be live streamed, so if you can't be here or if you're already and usually watch at home, uh, that's when that live stream will kick off. We'll be at 10 a.m., not at 9 as it does right now, so at 10 a.m., and then our faith kids will also be meeting at 10 a.m., except for on that Sunday, November 13th, that celebration Sunday, uh, we're planning a family service that day. We want families to be able to, to, to experience uh, that 25th anniversary celebration together, uh, but following up uh, on that on November the 20th, uh, faith kids will be meeting at 10 o'clock, and we'll be meeting up here together in our services at 10 o'clock. So go ahead and, and, and mark your calendars, make your arrangements as you need to, make those changes. The beginning here in three weeks, uh, we will be meeting at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and we can't wait to do that together. Through this series, this fall, we've been talking about the church and what the church is, this rugged and raw series. One of the things that we've come to say again, and I'll mention it again, is that we are a people. The church is a people, and the story of the church is the story of people. Whether that's the story of this church, we talk about the people who've made up this church, the people who we have relationships with, we talked about this quite a bit last week. Whether it's the people that we reach out to, connect with in the community, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But the story of any church has to be told through the lens of people. And that's the story of the first church as well that we read about in the book of Acts. We've kind of been basing our time together this fall from the book of Acts. We've been talking about how uh, the the people tell the story. The people make the story. You know, the Bible never says, never says that you need a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I believe you do. We've talked about that, that you you need to come to a belief system. You need to come to Christ on your own terms. I believe that. But the Bible never, never tells us that. Because the Bible assumes that when you sign up to become a Jesus follower, that you are signing up to be a part of something, not just a one-on-one relationship. That it's a, it's a group effort. As I've said before, I love this phrase, it's an all-y'all kind of thing. It's all, the church is all-y'all. And our, our relationship with Jesus is built, is intended, is created to be an all-y'all, something we do together. We are not, um, well, I'll say it like this, Christianity is a team sport. There's no lone rangers, if you will, in this thing of following Jesus. When you signed up to follow Jesus, you signed up to do life together with other brothers and sisters. 
The Bible actually says not that you need a personal relationship with Jesus, but that you need a shared relationship with Jesus. And we share that relationship. That's why the church is so important. That's why all over the New Testament, all throughout the New Testament, you will find the command, a command followed by the two words, one another. One another. We are a one another people. Last week I mentioned to you that that happens 57 times in the New Testament. One another. One another. That's, and, and the most common occurrence of that command, of these one another commands, the most common c- command in, in that little literature device of one another, we do these things together, the most common command is that we are to encourage one another. Let me show you just a couple of them. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Romans 12 says, If we can encourage others, we should encourage them. If we can give, we should be generous. If we are leaders, we should do our best. If we are good to others, we should do it cheerfully. That word encourage, that word is found 109 times in the New Testament. 109. That should tell you how important this idea is of encouragement. In fact, Jesus uses a form of the word encourage a form of the word encourage when he describes the holy spirit god that lives in us the holy spirit when he describes in the gospel of john the holy spirit is sent by god to be an encourager and the holy spirit who inspires the writers of the new testament knows how important it is so he keeps inspiring these writers to say over and over and over again 109 times in the new testament encourage one another build each other up because the holy spirit knows that discipleship that following jesus is exciting and it is exhilarating and by the way if you think that christianity is boring you're doing it wrong you're doing it wrong it is exciting to follow jesus It is exhilarating to follow Jesus. And sometimes, can I be honest? Sometimes it is exhausting (laughs) to follow Jesus. And so we have to keep encouraging one another, motivating each other in the direction of Jesus. Which, by the way, that's my favorite definition of biblical encouragement. It's to, to encourage is to motivate others in the direction of Jesus. To motivate others in the direction of jesus think about this for a minute what what makes a relationship a christian relationship well uh, duh it's just you know when when two christians are are talking to each other no 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 that's not it two people who happen to go to the same church talking about politics or the weather or the browns that is not that does not make that relationship a christian relationship I'm going to lay something on you that may be a little heavy today. But what makes a relationship distinctly Christian is not who you talk to, but it's what you talk about. What makes a a Christian, what makes it a Christian relationship is that you intentionally talk about and share with each other the kinds of thoughts and the kinds of encouragement that are going to help motivate each other in the direction of Jesus. And the Bible assumes that that's what we're going to do whenever we get together like we are now. In fact, there's a verse in the book of Hebrews, a verse that preachers have used for a long, long time to make us feel guilty about skipping church. But that's not the point of the verse. Let me read the verse to you, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another 
to acts of love and good works. What a great, what a great challenge. Think of ways to motivate each other towards acts of love and good works. And let us not, you've heard this verse before, to make you feel guilty, right? And not us, let us not neglect our meeting together, like what we're doing right now, our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Please notice this. The point of this verse is not, I encourage you to go to church. The point of this verse is, go to church so you can encourage one another. In fact, he says there in, in, that, in that first verse, let us think of ways that we can do this. Let us think of ways we can do this. In other words, give it some thought before you walk in the door. Give us some thought before you get here. What are you going to do today? What are you going to say? What are you going to do or say that's going to help somebody else get closer to Jesus next Sunday when you're in this room? This morning before you leave this room. Give it some thought is what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. And that brings me to the book of Acts where I want to make sure you know the story of a very important person in the first church that we read about in the book of Acts. Because I think this person will help us learn how to do just this. How to encourage one another, how to motivate each other in the direction of Jesus. This guy in the, in the New Testament book of Acts, his name is Barnabas. We meet him first in Acts chapter 4. Uh, it goes like this, verse 36. There was Joseph, that's his real name. Joseph is his given name, that's what mama called him, Josie, jo Joseph. There was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. And there's a little parenthetical described to, to let us know what the word Barnabas, the name Barnabas, means. Which means, son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. By the way, isn't that a great nickname? Barnabas. I mean, it doesn't make that much sense to us today. But this guy, Joseph is so well known by the way that he encourages the church not the building the people the movement the gathering of the jesus people the way he encourages the church the way he encourages the church's leaders he does this in such a way he's so well known by what he does that they nickname him encouragement dude that's how they know him. They call him encouragement dude, Barnabas. And Barnabas, I think, is going to give us three ways, and we look at his story, three ways to, to get better at this thing that the Bible says is so important. So here's the first one. Barnabas teaches us, and the lesson for us is to encourage by stepping up when radical generosity is needed. Now, I want you to notice that the first thing that we learn about Barnabas, these couple of verses I just read, the first thing we learn about Barnabas is not what he said. It's what he did. It's what he did. Because thoughtful motivation can take a lot of forms. So here's the context. From the very start, the very first church had huge financial burdens. Imagine for a moment, you, uh, you're a first century Jew. You're living in Jerusalem in this ancient culture. And you hear the news because there's been all this scuttle about town for the last several weeks. You hear the news that your leaders, the Jewish leaders, have crucified this guy named Jesus of Nazareth. And they've branded him as a false prophet, a false messiah. But then a few weeks later, you have friends, people you know, people who you'd let watch your kids, people you trust, people who you trust and love are telling you, no, 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 
He came back from the dead. I saw him. We saw him. We, we were there. We saw him alive. He's back from the dead. And because you trust this person, you believe them. And you believe their story. And so you pronounce your faith in Jesus as the Messiah. There are consequences that come with that. As you choose to start following Jesus, there are consequences that come with that. Maybe you, maybe you own a little shop, just a little business. But now your neighbors, your best customers, they won't come and do business in your shop anymore because you're following this story about this Jesus guy. And so you begin to lose money. Your bottom line's hurt. Or maybe you work for someone. And your boss finds out that you've said yes to following Jesus, and so they fire you. They fire you when you find when they find out you're now a disciple of Jesus, that you're a part of this movement that they call the church. Maybe you're a widow, and you go to the temple to get the help that you're supposed to get according to the law that you're supposed to get from the temple. And the priest says, No, 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 you don't get it anymore because of what you've professed about Jesus. So right from the start, the early church has people with huge financial burdens. Now here's how Satan works when life gets hard, and you already know this. Satan likes to take the trials and the burdens and the struggles that you're having and use them to discourage you, to get you to give up. So here's how the church responded. In an unprecedented move, this gathering of the Jesus people. They decided that what God is doing in this, in this new thing, in this new community, in this new movement, this new thing called the church, they've decided that what God is doing is so important that they are going to radically sacrifice to preserve it. That this community is more important than stuff and so they started saying to each other if i've got it and you need it you can have it there's something you need and i've got it's yours if i've got it and you need it you can have it because sometimes we have to realize that what god is doing is more important than the stuff that we have. Because generosity is the new normal in the kingdom of God. It's the new normal in the church. And it's so encouraging. I love the story of Palmer Chinchin. Palmer was the uh, basketball coach at Wheaton College up by Chicago. And a few years back, Palmer Chinchin took his basketball team on a missions trip to Africa. They went to Malawi, one of the poorest countries in the world. And while the team was there on this mission trip, serving this community in this village in Malawi, they decided they were going to scrimmage, do a basketball scrimmage against the basketball team from a Christian university there in Malawi. And so while they were warming up for the, before this basketball scrimmage, they're warming up, the American boys noticed that the team from Malawi, the team they're about to play basketball against, two of their players only had one shoe on two players that were only wearing one shoe and they kind of <laughs> the world these guys only got, they, they've only got one shoe on what's going on and so they asked their coach palmer chin chin they asked their coach what was this all about well the coach of the malawi team was palmer chin chin's twin brother so palmer was from here he knew what was going on 
And so he explained to his players that in the Malawi culture, it is disgraceful to have no shoes. But because it's one of the poorest countries in the world, there's a lot of people who just can't afford them. So the, the Palmer's brother told them, so one of our boys didn't have any basketball shoes, and his teammate didn't want him to be embarrassed in front of the American team. So the teammate said, here, have one of mine. See, that's normal in the kingdom of God. That's normal in the church. That's what it looks like when, when what God is doing is more important than stuff. And that's how you encourage. But understand that generosity is more than just money. So the second thing, second how-to we learn from Barnabas is that we can encourage by seeking out what is good in the body of Christ. In Acts, we read about the church in Antioch. By the way, Antioch was a place where the, the, this church, where they were, people were first called Christians. This was a church in Antioch, this city of Antioch, that crossed borders, that took big risks, especially when it came to this mission of telling other, being a witness of Jesus uh, to the world. And one of the ways they did this, this church in Antioch, and this is a big, big deal in the first century, one of the ways they did this is they were the first racially integrated church they crossed a line that nobody in Rome was willing to cross. And they became the first ever multi-ethnic church. And it was very controversial, as you would imagine. And it created some waves among the church. And so the news that was going on in Antioch, the news finally gets back to the, the, the head of the church in Jerusalem, where the church is kind of the central office, if you will, of the church, to the, to the apostles in Jerusalem. News gets all the way back to Jerusalem, and the apostles got to, we got to figure out what's going on in Antioch, and they knew exactly who to pick to send to Antioch to find out what was going on. Acts chapter 11. So news of this, it's about this church, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, so they sent, there's our guy, Barnabas, to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Please notice that Barnabas did not show up with his mind made up. He came looking for the evidence of what God was doing, the evidence of the grace of God. He did not come to this church and say, oh, you know, guys, what you're making, you're making everybody else nervous. I know it's pretty good, but, you know, everybody's getting nervous in Jerusalem. Y'all need to pump the brakes a little bit. Just kind of slow things down. That's not what he did, because he got there and he saw God doing something that was so big and so out there and so new and so filled with the Holy Spirit that instead of saying, slow down, Barnabas said, hey, let's ramp this thing up. How can we help? How can we make this bigger and better? Because he did not come looking for a reason to gripe. He came, for, he came looking for evidence of grace. And a church ought to be a place where never is heard a discouraging word. And I've met a lot of Christians in my life that need to know that fault-finding is not a spiritual gift and that cynicism is not a fruit of the Spirit. I've been around churches literally all my life. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I know what's behind the curtain. I've seen how the sausage is made. And I have a lot of memories of a lot of people from church. Churches where my dad preached, churches that I've been a part of, churches that I've known leaders, churches where I've served, churches where I've led, even this church. I've been around a lot of churches. I've been around a lot of church people. 
and there are people in every single one of these churches that I've been a part of there are people when I hear their name a smile comes to my face and I remember how kind they were how sweet they were how they would encourage my dad encourage me encourage our family and there are people in every one of these churches even this one that I have absolutely no memory of them ever saying, good job. Thank you. Well done. My memories of these people are that they were always negative. You never wanted to get into a conversation with them. They always had a gripe. They always had a complaint. They always had some way that you should have done it this way or you could have done it that way or basically their way. And every conversation is what you didn't like or what we didn't do well enough. Listen, if you want to go find fault in churches, that's not hard. This church has a lot of them. This pastor has a lot of them. Every church you could visit, every church you could become a part of has a lot of them. So if that's what you want to do, if you want to find reasons to be unhappy at a church, you will be very successful. You can do that. But if you want to find any spot on earth where, where there will be more more evidence of the grace of God go find a local body of Christ go find a local church because that's where it is that's where you'll find it because you will find whatever it is you're looking for and there is always something right about not always looking for what's wrong and that's true of a lot of churches and that's true of a lot of people so look what happens a little bit later on in that chapter 11 the book of Acts Barnabas is still in Antioch then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found Saul, who's later going to become Paul, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And that's the third how-to, maybe the most important and maybe the hardest. Encouragers call out the kingdom potential in each other. Encouragers put more emphasis on the future than they do on the past. They focus more on what people can become than they do on what they have done. It's one reason why Paul uses the word encourage so much in his letters because encouragement, specifically from Barnabas, encouragement is what saved him. Encouragement rescued him. We'll tell Paul's story in a couple of weeks. But the short version, Paul used to persecute Christians. Paul threw Christians in jail. Paul even had ki Christians killed. He was on his way to Damascus to do more of that when he met Jesus. And it rocked his world. And Paul, Saul at the time, becomes a follower of Jesus. But the problem was he had such a bad reputation. Nobody trusted him. Acts chapter 9 says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he's met Jesus. He's had, he's had this wonderful conversion experience. He's now a follower of Jesus. But when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. And then Barnabas, here's our guy again, Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to, to, to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. By the way, if you're ever trying to get a job with a church as a pastor, I may be the only one in the room who's ever going to do that. But if you're ever trying to get a job, get a church to hire you as the pastor, don't lead on your resume with, well, yeah, I used to kill Christians. You're not going to get the job. 
You're just not going to get that. That's a deal breaker, right? So here's Paul in this moment. He has an awful reputation because he used to kill Christians. He has a horrible reputation, but here comes Barnabas who has an amazing reputation. And Barnabas says, you know what? I'm going to take some of my credibility and give it to Paul. And we, you and me today, we are still being blessed by the fruit of that encouragement. And yet you have to wonder how many Pauls, how many Pauls have we lost? Men and women that would have been mighty in the kingdom, but we couldn't get past all the screw-ups they had in their past. It's not easy. It's not easy to see kingdom potential. Paul wasn't even very good at it. I mean, later on in Paul's story, he and Barnabas go on this mission trip together, and they plant a bunch of churches, and they take this young intern with them named Mark, and during the middle of this mission trip, Mark, this young guy, freaks out. It happens sometimes on the mission field. Mark freaks out and says, I'm not ready for this, and he left. He went home, and it just caused all kinds of trouble with the team as they were planting these churches. So when it came time a couple years later to go back to visit these churches, Barnabas and Paul are making plans to go back to see these churches that they planted, and Barnabas says, hey, let's take Mark with us. Let's give Mark another chance. Look what happens in Acts 15. Barnabas agreed. He wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement, this is between Barnabas and Paul, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated this mission team, this, this, this ministry team that's been working gang, like gangbusters across the world, they separated because this disagreement was so strong because of this one person. Barnabas took John Mark with him and went to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Paul says, I'm not going there, Barney. I'm not going there. You know what kind of mess that guy created. You know how he left us high and dry. You know how he didn't pull, pull his weight. You know how he didn't do what he said he was going to do. I don't want to take that chance. But Barnabas was willing to stand up for and stand with Mark. So willing that he was willing to stand up to Paul. That ever happened to you? You, you know that people mature at different rates, right? Encouragers know that. You ever, ever have a season of your life where you messed up pretty badly? And a lot of people just wrote you off. But there was somebody who stood up for you. Somebody who stood up with you. And you're here today because somebody said you are more than your worst moment. You are more than your biggest screw-up. You are more than that. By the way, just so you know the end of the story, Barnabas, Barnabas's faith in John Mark was vindicated. And what I think is one of the most touching verses in the New Testament, Paul is at the end of his life He's a prisoner in Rome. He's facing execution. He's about to die. He knows he's about to die. And one of the last things that he writes is this in 2 Timothy 4.11. He writes to, to this Timothy kid. He writes to him, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Paul was able to see later what Barnabas was able to see all along. Now, I know it's easy to think, you know, kind of get up, caught up in a you know, nice Bible story. It's easy to think, oh, that Barnabas, he sure was an optimist. You know, he's a cup half full kind of guy. That, that, listen, this isn't optimism. Barnabas was a believer that the image of God resides deep in every single person, and that needs to be called out. 
you know, it was just a handful of years ago now that uh, this young lady by the name of Kristen Gilmer walked across the stage, was awarded her PhD at Harvard University. And her special guest that day at her college, at the graduation for her, for her PhD, her special guest at the Harvard commencement ceremony that day was a lady by the name of Judith Tonsig. Judith had been Kristen's sixth grade teacher. At the end of her sixth grade year, Judith, Mrs. Tonsig, the teacher, wrote this little note to this young sixth grader named Kristen. The note said this, it has been a joy to have you in my class. Keep up the good work. Invite me to your Harvard graduation. And Kristen said, that lit a fire under me. And 12 years later, that is exactly what she did. She invited her sixth grade teacher to her Harvard gradu graduation. Pouring courage into others is so powerful, and it should be so purposeful. One more verse. I know I'm running out of time. One more verse. Colossians 4, 7 through 8. Tychicus will give you a full report about how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. These are Paul's words again. To let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. What an assignment. Paul said, I need someone to specifically encourage a church. I need someone to be like Barnabas. Tychicus, you remind me of my old friend Barnabas. Will you go? I'm going to send you. And I'd like to think that God would send you or that God would send me if he had a special assignment and he knew of somebody or somebodies that needed to be expressly, intentionally encouraged. I hope he would send you. Here's my challenge. That we start to encourage on purpose. That we give it some thought, like the writer of Hebrews said in the passage we read earlier. That we consider, that we pray, and that when we get together, be it on a Sunday morning in this room, a Sunday evening by the fire tonight, that we start getting more intentional, intentional about saying and doing things that move people in the direction of Jesus. Let me pray for you. Community team, go ahead and take your places. Thank you. Father, we come before you now and we are asking your Holy Spirit, your encourager, to fill our hearts right now. Fill us with courage, with passion, with clarity about what we need to do next. To move us closer to Jesus and to bring someone along with us as we help motivate them in the direction of Jesus. So God, start something mighty among us. A move like the early church that catches the attention of the world and lifts up the name of Jesus. We pray this in the name of Jesus.